Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. I was a hell of a football game on Saturday at Research Stadium. I was there, 27,000-plus were there screaming and yelling, and uh, it was a great atmosphere. Jonathan Smith was there as well. They've got a big game this week in Salt Lake City. He's joining us to talk about it. Uh, you know, you've been asked a million times about the USC game. I don't want to dwell on it too much, but what you know, how fast psychologically did you have to kind of get to your guys and – try to make sure that one loss doesn't become two. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, I will say, yeah, we, we talked about it on Sunday, the day after the game. But with this group, I think they understand. This is going to be a long season. That was a first conference game. They put a lot into it, energy and emotion, and uh, obviously wanted wanted to win the game in, the, in a desperate way. Uh, but at the same time, you've got to be able to regroup. This is a long football season. And so we talked about it a little bit on Sunday and, and the maturity, the leadership we got on this team. I think they went back to work the last two days, feel good about, you know, our approach and the process we've taken. And, and we know we've got a big-time challenge again this this Saturday. Best defensive performance by an Oregon State team in, in a while, I thought. I thought it was really impressive. How did that feel to you on the sideline? Yeah, and they, they did play well. I mean, for a long period of time, I mean, our – I looked up at early fourth quarter, the game seven to three, and I thought to myself the same thing on on defense. What we've been been able to do because that is a good offense. That's a good quarterback. They got a bunch of skill, good scheme, all of it, and for us to hold them down for the period of time we did was was an attribute of our defense that you know we hadn't seen slash I think we expected, and is really happy for those guys to play that well. I also felt like look, their receivers got a lot of attention, but. They weren't running by your guys, and their offensive and defensive lines weren't pushing your guys around. I just think from a talent assessment, it it told me that you guys are right there. Yeah, I think yeah, we we feel confident with this group. I love coaching these guys. I think uh, on the secondary, they were excited about the challenge that those receivers presented. Um, I did think it benefited their secondary that we can got around the quarterback a little bit, made him move his feet, trying to get out of the pocket sometimes. Uh, but overall, from a defensive standpoint, those guys have stepped up to the ta- challenge. Offensively, we, we hurt ourselves a little bit with the turnovers, obviously, but also the penalty in because um, we got to be able to score more points if we want to win a bunch of games in this conference. You, you know, in this conference, nobody's gone undefeated in conference play in I think it's 12 seasons now. Uh, you know, since Oregon did it in 2010, nobody's done it. So I think, you know, you can – you can lose a game in this in this conference and get to Vegas still. Did you feel like your guys practice Monday, practice Tuesday? Do, do you feel like they uh, they've got their heads on straight right now? I feel like they do. Uh, again, the way you know Tuesday practice, Wednesday practice, seeing the body language of these guys through Sunday and Monday, they understand that. Yeah, each each game's important, and this one was big home. You know, conference opener and against a good opponent, and great crowd and. And all of it didn't go our way, but we're back to work. There's a lot of football left to play. 
Jonathan Smith with us. It uh, looked like to me that you found a running back that maybe some of us didn't see coming in Jam Griffin. What, are we, what did we see on Saturday from him? Yeah, I think Jam's a nice change of pace compared to Damian and, and Fenwick in regards to his style of running. Um, I think it played out a, a lot like we, we give guys early carries from the first half, and then all of a sudden we get a hot hand, we're going to feed them. I thought, you know, some of those runs were blocked really well for Jam, and then he's finishing at the second level. And he's got a, a change of pace compared to the other two. Do you have a like when you are, you know, this is a personnel question, but when you know you got Fenwick, you got Martinez, you know, and then you have Jam. Like, is it a feel thing? Is it you know? Do you pre-script who's going to play this many carries, that many carries, second quarter? I want to, you know, how do you do, how do you manage that as a coach on the sideline? Yeah, some of both. I mean, some of the plays are specific to the back we want in the game. There's a pre-script on the amount of carries early on, and A.J. Stewart, a running back coach, does a great job of rotating those guys early on, kind of getting a feel for the game for all three guys. Um, but then you get into the second half, and you get into some calls where he, any of the three could run it. Who's got the hot hand? And at that point, Jam, Jam definitely had it. Yeah, we look we look back a lot. But I want to look ahead here with Utah. You're going to Salt Lake. It's a tough place to play. It's a day game. First of all, do you like playing a day game? Yeah, 100%. I mean, we practice in the mornings, and so I and I told the team the same thing. I think kickoffs at noon Mountain, eleven o'clock Pacific. Well, eleven o'clock Pacific on a normal day, we'll be in the middle of practice. So, definitely excited about that. And just earlier, you look forward to the next next game, getting back earlier, recovery, rest, uh, and that's what I grew up doing, watching college football games at noon. What do you see on film with Utah? How similar are they to a year ago? How different are they? Yeah, they, they got some similarities now. And, and, you know, Coach Winningham over there has been doing a great job defensively. They're at wholesale change in schematics now. I mean, they've been doing this this scheme for a long time, physical, challenge you, uh, make it physical on offense. They can run the ball, but the quarterback's a good player. I think he's really similar to the last quarterback played last weekend in regards to his ability to throw it accurately, decision-making, and extend the play. You watch Cam Rising play over and over. So many third down pickups through his feet. He's pulling the ball in the run game. So they got some real balance offensively that makes it tough. And it will. It'll be a challenging place to play. That place can get rocking. One of the better home field advantages in the in the league. So all of that stacked together makes a, a really good team and a, a challenge. I was looking at the Pac-12, and I think there are seven quarterbacks that are transfers that have one way or another, Cam Rising's one of them, that have come from other places. And Do you think that's just how it's going to be at that position moving forward? I mean, are, are the days of a freshman coming in and you developing a guy over three or four years, has that ship sailed? Yeah, because you, you mentioned seven. I thought there was more than that. Might um, be more. So I, I do think that, uh, that this day and age you can, um, and especially at that particular position, um, you can find a really good player. Uh, to, to come in, because I do. I mean, both Washington schools got a transfer. The Ducks got a transfer going. Cal's got a transfer going. Uh, you, obviously, SC's got a transfer going. Arizona's got one. Arizona State's got one. Uh, Utah came rising a couple of years ago. Even Colorado had one. Now they're yeah. playing a different guy. I mean, majority of this league. And, and trust me, we talked about that in our personnel meetings on our staff of, like, you know, that's the trend. I will say we feel good about the development for players that spend a, a little time here, they get better each year, and I think that's playing out because we got a, a veteran roster and we got a lot of guys playing pretty well. 
I'm just spitballing here. I think it's like ten. So Dorian Thompson Robinson, he's he's a fifth year starter at UCLA, yep. and then you got uh, the Stanford kid McKee, and then yep. I think every everybody else is a transfer. So how do you like? On one hand, when you're in the living room of a talented high school kid, you gotta you gotta be selling development. Hey, we're ready. We want to develop a guy. We want to be that program. On the other hand, you gotta you gotta keep an eye on the portal. Yeah, both of them. I mean, and again, you're recruiting, and we're recruiting obviously, uh, you know, freshman quarterback each year. I still believe in that, you know, because you really don't know until you got them what you got. Uh, and sometimes you know, some of these guys are ready to go year one and year two. At the same time, and again, I know we're focused on the QB. Every position, every year, you're going to have competition brought in in recruiting, whether they're a freshman or an older kid. Uh, and, and competition does. The, the best ones rise to the top through that, and you're trying to create that in a program, having competition at every position. How do you help Chance Nolan after the Saturday performance? Well, a lot. I mean, protection, number one. Uh, the situations we put him in on third and long, a few of those errors, interceptions happened. Well, we, let's stay away from third and long. Let's be better on first and second down. Uh, we got to coach him continually better. Sometimes a sack's going to be better than the interception. He's got to be accurate in the – and, and, and choose wisely. Let's face it, this guy, he's got the ball in his hands. Um, he's got to be a great decision maker. And, yeah, he'd love to have a couple throws back from last week, counting on him being better this weekend. I felt like he got on his back foot a couple times. And when I see that, I go, okay, maybe, uh, you know, he's getting pressure. He's not comfortable back there. Uh, you know, did, was he on his back foot on a couple of those throws? Yeah. I mean, without question, and and a couple, some of that, and I played the position. I mean, you get hit on previous plays. Yeah. That that takes a toll. And, and again, uh, each play is new. What took place in the previous plays doesn't mean anything about the the current play you're in in regards to how well you're going to be protected. And again, some of those throws he can't finish the throw uh, because he's getting hit. Uh, and so all of it, it's a tough position to play. Um, Chance has done a lot of good things. He, he did a lot of good things in this previous game. Uh, gave us an opportunity, but ultimately we turn it over four times. We're gonna have a tough time winning any games. Yeah, you you are very even keel. At least you appear that way. I don't know what's going on like internally when you're on the sideline. You appear very even, which is good. I think you need that. You don't want to be too high, too low on the sideline. You go home Saturday night. You have a hard time sleeping, or you know, do you stay up because the adrenaline's going? How does that happen? Yeah, it's pretty typical. Every, especially on night games Saturday, it takes me a while to to wind down and actually fall asleep. I drink a little too much coffee before the game, and that mm. keeps me up. But yeah, you're digesting this emotional uh, 60 minutes. It turns into about three and a half hours of college football game. It takes me a little while, uh, and I think that's healthy for me to kind of wind down and to try to find some space by myself and digest uh, how the game went. Do you want to watch film at that time, or do you just want you just kind of want to think about it, talk about it? Yeah, I'll try to catch a little bit of film. Um, sometimes it's better for me not to go dive right into it, but I'll. Yeah. I mean, let's say I get on my phone, I'll get on uh, see some highlights of it and, and think about it, or back and forth with a coach or two. Um, but that's how I manage after the games. All right, from the press box, the the little Addison route there that little wheel route it felt to me like if that db gets a hand on him helps the safety out there's a different outcome there am i reading that wrong like if that db just get gotta get a hand on that kid yeah you're kind of on it football scheme here yeah the initial db the corner we're in a cloud coverage and so initial hand or reroute is going to slow that 
vertical thread on the outside, so helping out the safety get over there. Um, that's that's 100% true. All of that said, I do think that was a big-time throw in a big-time yeah. situation by a big-time quarterback. I mean, we've had, we had plenty of opportunities to get him off the field before that, mm-hmm. uh, but I just feel like giving credit when credit is due. We hadn't run a bunch of that coverage the whole night. We'd been playing a lot of man coverage and pressuring him. We got into a cloud coverage, and he recognized it and made a big-time throw. All right, you're going to Salt Lake City. Big opportunity to kind of pivot back and get back on track. And, you know, I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, I will be there. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys, and I appreciate you giving us some of your time, Coach. Yeah, look forward to seeing you, John. Thanks for coming. Take care. There he is, Jonathan Smith. Really, um, you know, I was in the stadium. I was in Racer Stadium on Saturday night, and I could feel the fan base, that Oregon State fan base that has been through so much. That fan base watched Mike Riley, you know, get on a plane for Nebraska. Watched Gary Anderson come through the doors and, you know, felt good about Gary Anderson, and then Gary Anderson leaves, just drops the program like a hot potato. Uh, Then came, you know, that Civil War game where the raincoats came out and it rained touchdowns, and, you know, it was embarrassing for Oregon State. I think it was difficult for the Oregon State fans to take that that, uh, shellacking that they took at the hands of Oregon in that rivalry game. Uh, Then came finally the hire of Jonathan Smith, but guess what? Oregon State didn't have success right away. Struggled. Cupboard was bare. It was evident, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that they didn't have a good plan and they didn't have the personnel, to more importantly, to get it done. And really, for his first couple of seasons, struggled to stop people and weren't in a lot of games. And now we're watching Oregon State football. And, you know, I talked to Kyle Whittingham this week. You heard the interview. I think it was yesterday's show. I talked to him off air a little bit, too. And, you know, he's got a tremendous respect for Jonathan Smith and what Oregon State's doing. He, you know, talked at length about that. Nick Aliotti, the former Oregon D coordinator, is now working at the Pac-12 Network, was raving about Jonathan Smith and the, the way Oregon State plays and, the plan they have offensively, and the kinds of things they do. And you want to talk scheme, I think right now in the Pac-12, Washington's doing some really good things on offense with Michael Penix Jr. He looks like a better, different quarterback than he's ever been. And i got to give Kalen DeBoer credit at Washington. But I think right in there, Oregon State is offensively doing stuff that is getting a lot of attention in the conference. Lincoln Riley, of course, has a scheme, and he's got athletes, he's got players. But I think, you know, Jonathan Smith needs better quarterback play. That's what Oregon State needs. If, if Oregon State can get some better quarterback play this season, they will have a nice season. You can see it lining up for them. Their defense can play. If they turn the ball over, if Chance Nolan doesn't find more consistency, I think it could be a little frustrating for Oregon State down the stretch because they have um, a gauntlet of games, including Washington State, including Washington, including Oregon, including Utah, that aren't going to be easy games if they don't get good quarterback play. I'm looking forward to Saturday to see if Oregon State can bounce back, can they pivot back, where are they psychologically against a Utah team that I think is the best team in the Pac-12. We'll talk about the Pac-12 coming up, plus some punch it audio. Leave it here. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano. Peter Sampson is up next with The Pulse from 6 to 7 on 750 The Game. 
Talk Timbers coming up uh, top of the hour here in Portland on 750 The Game. I want to play a little punch at audio here. We'll talk a little bit about the Pac-12 on the tail end of the show. Tomorrow, we will give our picks for the week. Stephen, Sean, come prepared to talk about who you think is going to win. I had a pretty good uh, week last week uh, against the spread, but uh, come prepared. You're only as good as the picks that are in front of you on tomorrow's show. Uh, Bo Nix, Dan Lanning, Ian Rappaport, David Shaw. What are we talking? We're talking punch and audio. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. Oh, Bill Belichick. You are grumpy, but we love you for it. Belichick was asked about Mac Jones' health. He's got a high ankle sprain. Here's the exchange. Punch it. Does he have a high ankle sprain? A five. What do I look like? A doctor? An orthopedic surgeon? I don't know. Talk to the medical experts. What are the medical experts on staff say? Day by day. We'll evaluate him, Dave. I mean, what difference does it make to me? What do you, do you think I'm going to read the MRI? That's not my job, so. But it's there, and they talk to you about it, right? Yeah, it's day by day. It's getting better day by day. See, see how it is tomorrow. It's a lot better than it was yesterday. See what it is. See how easy it is tomorrow. Better than yesterday. Not as good as two days ago. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to deal with him. I agree with Anna. I also think it's kind of amusing. Steve Nash. He and Kevin Durant. Are they cool or not? Are you guys cool? You're Steve Nash. Punch it. Well, we've moved past it. You know, I mean, we have a history. Um, you know, even when the report was out there, I never felt like it was black and white. Uh, we hadn't spoken. Um, so these things happen. They've happened many times in our league. Uh, people have gotten past it many times as well. And now we move forward and we're excited. And Kevin's been, you know, exceptional, not only in open gym, but in, in training camp, the way he's brought his energy, his focus, and his attitude, I think it's really rubbed off on the rest of the guys. We just had to talk, you know. We talked. He, I heard him out. He heard me out. We cleared the air. Um, and that was it. It wasn't even that long a conversation. You know, I think we, we were able to address the way we were feeling, the space we were in. I think the, the bottom line is we were all hurt. We've gone through so much adversity. And uh, we had high expectations. And then we're continually having players getting taken off the table and, and always suboptimal for our playoff chances. And I think it wore us down. And I think everyone in the organization felt it. It manifested itself the way it did. And we've gotten over it. I think the one thing that Steve Nash and Kevin Durant have going for them in this relationship that I think is frayed. I, I don't I don't believe Steve Nash when he says, you know, he's over it, whatever, we're cool. Um, I think that the one thing they have going for them is they, they're kind of used to the circus. It has been a revolving door of players and emotions. And, and I also think Steve Nash, having been a player in the league, helps here. Because I think he's probably dealt with teammates over the years and other personalities that maybe all weren't on the same page. Bo Nix, Oregon quarterback. He had a lot of love for his offensive linemen. Here's Bo Nix talking about the big guys. Punch it. The stat's crazy. We're the only team 
the FBS that hadn't allowed a sack. That's um, incredible through four games, um, but it all goes to them. And it's it's just it's the leadership and the experience we have up front. You know, we have um, a bunch of uh, protection meetings, and we're all on the same page, and that I think has a lot to do with it. But it's just very. Um, it's kind of a pride thing, you know, up front. They, they believe in themselves. They take pride in it. They are, are sure to um, kind of make the right right checks. And if something happens that's crazy, even if the, the, the times I've thrown it, maybe been knocked down, they'll come back and say, man, that's our bad. we got to keep you up. And I'm like, that's awesome that they even think about that um, because I didn't think anything of it. It was just like a play to me. But they take such pride in the little things that even if I throw it and get knocked down, they still take it. Um, pretty harsh so it's I mean it just speaks to their their character and their um, competitiveness and, and the guys up front that we have look uh, give the offensive line some credit because they have done a good job but I think part of the reason why Bo Nix hasn't been sacked is Bo Nix he tends to get rid of the ball he's a good athlete he's mobile and I think that it it part of it is Kenny Dillingham's offense uh, I was surprised that in week one against Georgia, he didn't get sacked. I was more surprised last week against a Washington State front seven that is very disruptive that he didn't get sacked. This is a source of pride. And I'm kind of curious now how long Oregon can go without Bo Nix taking a sack. But watch him this week as Oregon plays Stanford in a game that will happen at 8 o'clock on Saturday night. Keep an eye on Bo Nix. You tell me how much of it is the offensive line, how much of it is he's a good athlete with good feet, and he he knows how to not take a sack. Keep an eye on that. Dan Lanning found a Rocky reference. He was asked about the rain. He went to Sylvester Stallone. Punch it. Did you miss the rain? Yeah. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. I'm enjoying it. I you know, uh, we, we talked to the team today about the difference in Rocky 1 and Rocky 3, right? Rocky 3 is training with all the lights, you know, he's got all the, the uh, extra attention and the details, right? And we all know what happened in Rocky 4, he had to go to Russia to get his mind right, right? He had to go train in the woods, so we want to train in the elements. We want to do it the long, hard way, right? Drink eggs, right? The whole nine yards, that's what we want. Drinking eggs, training for Ivan Drago. Dan Lanning's a movie buff, in case you didn't know it. That's Punch It Audio. It's the best sound from all around. We'll have great guests again tomorrow on the show. Thanks to Ricky Williams, former Heisman winner, for coming on today. Josh Newman of the Salt Lake Tribune was fantastic. Jonathan Smith was awesome. Tomorrow, big guests again. Uh, the Bald Face Truth, not here for a long time, just a good time. Have a great night. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Truth. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.